It's Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. This is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast from Drink5.com. And tonight, we're going to have a week four preview. It's a Wednesday. Every Wednesday. All right, so I am Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. This is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast, and uh, we have completed three weeks of the NFL season. We're almost done with the first month of the season, and tonight we're going to talk about what's been going on in week three, uh, a lot of injuries, there's a lot of injuries across the league. Uh, we have a favorite prodigal son returning to the NFL, and uh, Maybe. then we get to have <laughs> our favorite uh, segment returning to the podcast. Two of our favorite segments returning to the podcast, in fact. Uh, so, tonight, Dave, I have to ask you, what are you drinking? Yeah, well, uh, currently, I have the Two Brothers Abel's Vice, um, which is a, a clever play on uh, Abel Vice, and uh, it it's a great beer from a brewery that's based out of Warrenville, Illinois. We are not so local to them, but uh, all these places are in the suburbs of Chicago, soon to be perhaps the home of the Chicago Bears. Um, not as, Warrenville, but the suburbs in general. Yeah, you know, uh, th- those things refer to the, the last noun that I that I bring up in the sentence. Right? Okay. <laughs> but let's not get into uh, pronouns or anything. That's a whole different... Uh, That's sentence. a different podcast. Yeah. That's Thursday night's podcast. You know how Josh Gordon wants to be referred to? Uh, as Flash? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, grammatically correct or not. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm drinking that. I've also got a bottle of scotch here that uh, that I won. Well, we're both drinking it, so we both won. Yeah. Uh, from you, the Glen Cullen 10-year, uh, and uh, it is a decent scotch that uh, we've been enjoying for the past week or two. For a $30 scotch, I was quite happy with the purchase. Being a scotch lover myself, uh, I, I like that one. We also have, uh, we just enjoyed a little bit of the screwball. Um, which is a fine flavored whiskey or does it just a liqueur? Is it really whiskey or is it? It is whiskey and peanuts. Now there are some other, uh, flavored peanut butter whiskeys that have some strange combinations of things that they put together and then they call it peanut butter whiskey. This one is just whiskey and peanuts. So it's a, it's a fun story. It's the first, as far as I know. Of these uh, peanut flavored whiskeys that came out, and then after it, you know, like a year after, just a million. They were all just imitators that weren't as good. Yeah, uh, you know, we need, we need the real Slim Shady to stand up, and, and it's right over there. And he's it's, serving us spaghetti. It's screwball. We got a lot of topics here. So. Yeah, we're we're just gonna burn through reference after reference. The spaghetti can... shop that Eminem is opening up called Mom Spaghetti in Detroit. Yeah, I think that warrants a lot of talk, probably more than the Detroit Lions football team itself. I think that it's going to be more successful than the Detroit Lions football team. <laughs> you're, you're probably he's in, right. He's in line for a better season. Yeah. Um, so, as we alluded to, Josh Gordon is back in the NFL. He was signed to the Chiefs practice squad, I believe. Um, so, once he's activated, Dave, do you think he's going to be relevant to fantasy production? Or is this just let the hype flow, but nothing's going to happen? So... Uh... 
people behind uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs generally don't have all that much success. There's only uh, two Chiefs that have gotten to 60 receptions or 700 receiving yards uh, as the number two receiver over the past two seasons. Oh, wow. Uh, and Gordon is a little bit older. Um, he had nine touchdowns back in 2013, of course, uh, when he had a spot start as maybe the best receiver ever. But uh, not continuing up on that. You know, he's never again really performed at that kind of a level. So I would expect him uh, at, at his current age out of the NFL for so long to be able to provide uh, some sort of maybe flex level value as a Chiefs wide receiver going forward. And they certainly, after watching the games, don't have a, a whole lot of talent there right now uh, after those two receivers that we just talked about, Meikle, Hardman, and other receivers on that team are not stepping up uh, the way that even Sammy Watkins did. Uh, so I, I I imagine that he can take over the WR2 role. The yeah. problem is the WR2 role doesn't come with a whole lot of fantasy production. Yeah, I mean, they do need the help there. Um, and if he could... If he could somehow channel what he did in 2013, you know, that'd be amazing. It's a good signing. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I just don't believe that he's going to be someone that, that you want to have on your active roster uh, on a game-to-game basis. Right. I mean, you let, know. let somebody else spend the money on Someone, him. Yeah, someone <laughs> is going to pick him up real early. It's not like he's going to be available on the waiver wire if he actually goes off. So yeah, if you want to be that guy, you know, have fun with it at least. Don't Don't pick him up expecting him to be great. Pick him up because it's fun and you have room on your roster. Well, don't we generally talk about uh, the fact that you should usually have a sort of an interchangeable spot available on your roster or a player that you don't mind dipping in and out of uh, in order to try to pick up that flavor of the week? Uh, right. I just think we've seen Gordon do this so many times now that it's not a flavor of the week, or if it is, it's something like Superman, which people don't actually like. <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. So, um, any other news that you wanted to touch on before we move on to injuries? Yeah, so you remember uh, uh, Rondale Moore, who was uh, one of the top uh, waiver wire pickups of the previous week, uh, and this happens all the time, so it's not, it's not as much of a news item as it is sort of a cautionary tale that this will continue to happen on a weekly basis. Sometimes uh, a guy is going to be good for the rest of the season or some of the season or be a spot starter or whatever, but sometimes you'll have a, a, a super hype beast like Rondale Moore who just doesn't perform to expectations. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what we have here. Um, you have a team like the Arizona Cardinals that could make any one uh, receiver on that team or tight end or whoever uh, an all-star for one game. So it's careful... Uh, careful not to jump on every bandwagon you <laughs> sure. know just because you Twist see a your bandwagon ankle jumping on the bandwagon yeah you see a bandwagon go by you don't have to jump on it not, sure not every time this is true so um i say buyer beware on that uh that's uh, a bit more of a cautionary tale than a news story um the biggest news story right now is that tampa bay is going to play new england this this weekend I heard about that. <laughs> Everywhere, right? Yeah. They may have mentioned it a few times on Sunday Night Football last mm -hmm. week. You know, a few times every other minute. 100%. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. And we'll touch on that later when we talk about some of the players from that game. Uh, so injuries from last week that are going to be uh, things that we need to keep an eye on going forward. Um, we got A.J. Brown, who pulled his hamstring. He's considered week-to-week -week right now. Nick Westbrook, uh, I, I can hang. 
Don't know how to pronounce it. Ikene? I would say Ikene or Ikene, yeah. Okay. Uh, he led the Titans in, uh, Titan wide receivers in snaps. He had like 80% of snaps mm-hmm. um, because Julio Jones also has an issue. He also did not practice today. So I don't go, think A.J. Brown practiced today, so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be Nick Westbrook Akine. Uh We'll have to look up that pronunciation if he does anything in week four. He d- he'll earn it. Uh, yeah, we'll see, but because he's not on IR, we assume that uh, A.J. Brown should be able to come back within a week or two. Yes. Uh, and I think Julio Jones as well, right? He's not out for any super long period of time, according to anything true. that I've seen. Right, right, right. Both of them are going to be week to week at the moment, I think. Yeah, so trouble in uh, Titans land, uh, and, and you might think that those... Uh, um, that those targets could go to someone else on the team. We obviously saw Westbrook, but it's going to be difficult to um, to be able to trust in in a receiver. I think they might go with a little more Derrick Henry. It's <laughs> <laughs> going out on a limb here. Oh boy! Uh, so Christian McCaffrey made uh, people cry because he went down again, and uh, it was Thursday night, so people had to live with it all week. Um, but he's only going to be out a couple weeks. He's not going on the IR for now. It's his hamstring, so um, Chuba Hubbard was the big waiver pickup this week to replace him, and he'll probably do just fine for the, I don't know, one to two games that McCaffrey is likely to miss. Yeah, I think that's succinct. It's interesting because Christian McCaffrey, even though he was out for the whole last season uh, with an ACL injury, uh, a lot of people tend to give him this tag of injury prone, which he really isn't. He's played a whole lot of football. It was last season and then this thing right now. And uh, a hamstring injury is not necessarily the end of a season. However, according to the doctor's reports that I've read, uh, for people that have been pretty consistently right about these kinds of things, uh, a grade one or two strain of a hamstring generally has a, a chance of uh, coming back during the season again of 20 to 30% meaning that uh, he's more likely than not to be able to play the rest of the season when he comes back. But there is always still that possibility that he tweaks something uh, and then goes out again or tweaks something during practice or rehab, which prevents him from coming back in the first place. And we've seen that happen in injuries uh, such as with Joe Mixon last year when it was he was going to come back for, for two or three weeks uh, and then he just delayed, delayed, delayed yep. out for the rest just of the kept, season. Yep. But I think... Uh, you know, wearing a optimistic hat, an optimistic hat would be a uh, a good thing when you're dealing with McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. One thing that we should keep in mind is that Chuba Hubbard played uh, all right. Uh, there's also Royce Freeman there, though, who who has proven himself as a good running back, and they might end up splitting those carries, uh, which could turn both of those people into uh, into non-starters or just flex plays rather than an RB2 that you might expect them to be. Yeah, and honestly, as long as the backups play reasonably well, I don't expect them to rush Christian McCaffrey back. The Panthers are playing very well. They're 3-0. and They have a very soft schedule coming up. You know, the Cowboys, Panther, uh, Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, Giants, Falcons, Patriots. Like, it's a very soft schedule going Co- forward. Cowboys have a pretty good offense. The other teams didn't seem too difficult, though. Exactly. Yeah. And then they finished the season, their last four games, Bills, Buccaneers, Saints, Buccaneers. Oh, that's great. That's... Yeah. So they need to be healthy at the end of the year yeah. if they want to make the playoffs. And starting 3-0 and means that you should be aiming for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would count on getting two to maybe three weeks out of those backups. Uh, so don't. 
You know, they may not put McCaffrey on IR, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss three weeks. Just because, it, like you were explaining with uh, Mixon, you know, it, maybe after two weeks they're like, he's not quite ready, we'll just play it safe. Yeah, and, and each injury has its own uh, percent chance of recurrence and all that kind of stuff. But but yeah. suffice to say that uh, this is not like a uh, like a, a sprained ankle or a broken finger when it's a little bit more apparent when it's completely fixed. Good point. Uh, next on our injury list is Mr. Rob Gronkowski. So he has a rib injury, and the x-rays were negative, so he's not got anything broken. And I don't think that anything is going to keep him from missing the game in Foxborough on Sunday night. So he'll probably play, and I imagine that he'll do well because Rob Gronkowski's a big game player, and he shows up and does well in big games. That was a massive hit, and there could be things that they're not talking about, uh, bruises and things like that, that that are on Gronk that they're just not bringing up. Um, But in general, I agree with you, he's a... He's a sturdy guy, and he's he's uh, um, he's kind of locked and loaded to to play as long as he's still walking. Well, I imagine it's the kind of hit and temporary injury that is the reason why he retired in the first place. Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not helping so his it's not emotional help, state. But I think he'll get pumped up enough for a game like this. If they were playing any old team, I would almost certainly think he'd take a week off because they've got so many uh, people there, anyways. So, uh, Delvin Cook missed last week, returned to practice today on Wednesday the 29th, and he should play on Sunday, but just keep an eye on him practicing all week. As we always say, you start getting reports on Wednesday, keep an eye on people who practice, especially on Friday. If you're going to practice on Friday, there's a good chance you're going to play. If you don't practice on Friday, there's a very good chance you're not going to play, unless you're like that kind of special player that doesn't need to practice all week long. So, um... Cook had had an ankle injury back in Week Two's game, and uh, Alexander Madison filled in for him and did a spectacular job. Still one of the best backup running backs in the league, but he's going to be again, you know, useless until Dalvin Cook injures himself again. Uh, Deontay Johnson and hurt his knee. Uh, Dave, what do you think about him being in on the last play of the game when it was garbage time? Um, is that like, are you okay with players like? playing when it doesn't matter or like do you think that that was a mistake by the Steelers uh coaching staff I'd rather not get into that conversation I think in general for uh for fantasy football purposes we always want to see our players scoring points so I'm not going to say anything negative or positive to that I think that they're trying to get Matt Canada who's a brand new OC that comes from a college background uh to to uh be able to um to call offensive plays in in a better fashion than he has been and so maybe Tomlin is just interested in continuing the first uh first team offense all game okay that's not unusual from him yeah no I agree um so he returned to practice today on Wednesday and you know as long as he practices he'll play this week uh Giovanni Bernard initially um he was out with a slight MCL sprain and he saw a lot of targets, but he didn't practice today. And uh, I, I doubt that he plays on Sunday night. And that means that Leonard Fournette is going to have an expanded role. So uh, look for Leonard Fournette this week. Uh, he's probably owned in most leagues, I would imagine. But he may be worth a start on a uh, night where Tom Brady wants to kind of lay the put a beat down on the Patriots, probably. Mm-hmm. James White, speaking of the Patriots, um, 
had an injury that I've never heard of before, a hip subluxation. Um, so apparently the news today is that he's going to miss the remainder of the season. So you've got Brandon Bolden and Damian Harris who are going to pick up the slack. Is there, uh, there's always like eight guys who are playing running back for the Patriots. Is there someone I'm missing? Yeah. Is, I, is, uh, I mean, they have, they have, uh, is uh, Rex back or anything like that. No, Rex is on a different team now. They have, uh, they have a couple of guys, right? They have Ramondre Stevenson, uh, oh, that's right. and the, the guy who got a lot of carries uh, or a lot of touches the previous week was uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, starts with a B. Um, Brandon Bolden. Yeah, Bolden. Yeah. So there are some other guys on that team as well, but I I assume that it's going to be pretty much Harris and Ramondre and Bolden. Okay. But James White is a is a big loss for the Patriots because he's such a um, like a clutch go to uh, passing back. Yeah, and a hip subluxation is when the um, your hip starts coming out of the ball joint. The, the 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 bone starts coming out of the joint. Sounds healthy. Oh God, I, I was like, all right, I guess I have to Google this. And I was, <laughs> oh, why did I have to Google this? <laughs> so uh, KJ Hamler is on IR as well. He's going to miss the rest of the season with an ACL tear, according to the coach. Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton are going to be the featured wide receivers until Jerry Judy returns, who is on short-term IR. I think that Cortland Sutton will probably continue to be a featured wide receiver when Judy returns, but uh, Tim Patrick will probably have to take a backseat to Jerry Judy once he comes back. But KJ Hamler is done for the year now. Uh, you've got Elijah Moore on the Jets. He had a concussion in Week 3, and the Jets' offense are a dumpster fire. Why are you even rostering Elijah Moore in the first place? Come on, people. So Michael Carter and Ty Johnson are going to continue to be the fantasy irrelevant backs for the Jets. I, I think Michael Carter comes on midseason to take the job over and becomes more fantasy relevant based on his trending statistics. I didn't include him in uh, in the trends that we'll talk about later, but he probably could have been included in them. Uh, Elijah Moore was definitely one of those preseason guys that should work well going forward, but you know that that offense is clearly doesn't have it all together right now. <laughs> they don't have many things together at all. Michael Carter, um, no, he's not a trending player. He's not trending up nor down. I, I'm referring to the snap count and usage in the football game. Okay. Uh, but I understand what you're saying. I, I'm just saying uh, don't don't count those guys out when we're looking in deep leagues for people to, to roster, to climb up the ranks to be fantasy relevant. But you're correct in saying that right now you wouldn't want to start either of those running backs. Oh, yeah. There are – Wow. There are two rookie Michael Carters. I did not realize that. Um, all right. So, yeah, Michael Carter seeing almost a 50% share of snaps now. Sterling Shepard of the Giants left week three's game early with a hamstring injury. Did not practice today, Wednesday. Kadarius Tony, uh, or is it Tooney? I think it's probably Tony. He's going to fill in for Shepard in the slot if he can't go. Uh, this piggybacks along with Darius Slayton as well. Uh, who also had a hamstring injury. Slayton didn't practice on Wednesday, so it looks like Kadarius Tony is going to be the guy who, at least one of the guys who's going to fill in for these injured players and uh, could see some action. He is one of those uh, rookies who is very talented, but people didn't want to pick him up for a lot of off the field or just difficulty being a person on the field type reasons. Yeah. Uh, so if he can, you know... If he can keep his shit together and just play football and 
do what he's supposed to do, then he could probably be successful. You know, Daniel Jones is uh, an improving quarterback, and he could use, like, a real weapon on offense other than Saquon Barkley. Improving. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, he's improving from last year, I think. Maybe. <laughs> so Juju Smith-Schuster is our final injury guy. He left the game early in Week 3 with bruised ribs. He didn't practice today. It's certainly possible he misses this game while he is trying to recover. If he misses the game, I expect to see another target-heavy game for Najee Harris uh, if Juju can't go. I don't think that whoever takes his place on the wide receiver um, group is going to necessarily see a huge, you know, his share of targets. I think it'll get split among the players who are already in there. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, because Juju was out and Deontay was out, um, there were a lot of targets that went right to Harris, especially in a, in a failing game concept. Um, and I think that he's going to continue to get a ton of targets, uh, probably not 14. Um, but it'll, it'll, he had 19 targets. Or 19. <laughs> but it'll be there for him. Uh, so Najee Harris is, as you said, uh, you know, it's as advertised in a giant workload, even though the Steelers offense is not performing to expectations and that may or may not change. Harris is still going to have a monster workload each week. Yep. And we'll talk about Harris a little bit more later, but yeah, Harris, 19 targets, Joe Burrow, his opponent only threw 18 passes. We also have a uh, lineup uh, question in the chat room from one one dozer. That's Boyd or Galladay or Chark uh, in a standard league. And I'll go ahead and answer that now. Uh, and Jason can chime in with his response as well. Uh, I have Galladay and Chark rated right next to each other. Uh, Boyd is uh, is rated higher than both of them because uh, Joe Burrow has been passing the ball efficiently, uh, and T. Higgins is out. Uh, yeah. He was announced out earlier this evening, and so I think most of, of those uh, passes should go directly to Boyd and Chase. And so I, I like Boyd as the as the leader in fantasy points from those three. Yep. So on your rankings, Dave, which can be found at drink5.com, and they are updated throughout the week. So, you know, don't be afraid uh, to click on the article that was posted yesterday because the rankings inside the article are always the most up-to-date rankings that Dave has available. Tyler Boyd is ranked number 30 at standard. You've got DJ Chark at 36. And who is the third player? Galladay, Kenny Galladay. Oh, God. I don't like Kenny Galladay. He's ranked 34, but <laughs> I, I suppose Galladay's relevance goes up a little bit because of the aforementioned two injuries to wide receivers on the Giants. But, man, Galladay just isn't catching anything this year. Well, right we now. talk about this often when, when uh, a wide receiver, um, especially someone who is uh, a leader or a WR2 on the team that they came from, in this case was uh, the Lions, um, they move to another team that has a different um, uh, play calling, different quarterback, etc. Yeah. There's there's always some some learning pains. If you go from the Lions to the Giants, you think that it wouldn't be so bad of an experience, considering that they're both uh, bad teams. Um, you know, you you should fit right in uh, with that group of people. Yeah. <laughs> but but he always. Uh, he has the possibility of uh, of getting a, a twenty point game because Galladay has shown already he has separation skills. He can catch in the uh, downfield passes. It's really a I think a Daniel Jones and a play calling issue. I I feel like it's a Galladay is just isn't catching the ball issue. Oh, the Giants are bad, which is like contagious, uh, but also easily fixed. I feel like guys can stay after and just catch the ball 
over and over again on a jugs machine, and eventually you're going to, you know, start catching it in the game. Oh, good for them, because I'd be distracted on a jugs machine. Yeah, well, they're distracting. <laughs> the Have a the moment for a drink. Think about ways to incorporate the word subluxation into your everyday lexicon. <laughs> An injury in which the hip bone is displaced from its normal position. Thank you, Dr. Jessica, our resident physician. So, uh, I think, Dave, one of your favorite things that we do here on the show is looking at player trends. Um, you mentioned last week, we don't have trends yet. We haven't seen three games, but we finally have seen three games. So we can um, sort of look at players and uh, say, you know, they're trending up, they're trending down, and try to figure out why maybe they're trending up. But it's, a, it's you know, it's, not real. It's the analysis led from real data. Um, most most experts are um, you know working on reflexes that are based uh, on emotional or visceral experiences watching the game, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to looking at uh, actual um, hard data. and And I prefer to to understand if there is a trend, uh, if it will continue, and why those things are occurring. So I agree. It's actually my my favorite thing to talk about. And I think we oh, have some nice. some good ones here. So we we could be incorrect about some of these. Uh, Don't tell people that. As far as the analysis, we is are concerned. right about everything that we say. No, that's clearly untrue. <laughs> but if a if a fantasy expert uh, in the the tableau of discussion uh, is is able to be uh, 65 percent accurate um, when they're predicting models, then that means that a normal fantasy player. Uh, who is not anywhere near that accurate uh, can benefit from listening to that person. So that's that's all that I uh, ever hope to bring to the table is maybe maybe some weeks I can get up to seventy five percent accurate. No one's ever going to get everything right. Very true. <laughs> uh, so first player, uh, we'll start with quarterbacks. Uh, trending up is Sam Darnold in week one. He had nineteen. Week two, he had twenty and a half. Week three, twenty five plus points. Um, so they have a three and zero start. He's only thrown one pick this far this thus far and he's scored three times on the ground and you know rushing uh yardage and especially touchdowns are what you want to see from your quarterbacks because that just means that their fantasy floor is so much higher uh it's very nice to see he's throwing the ball a decent amount he's averaging about 35 attempts per game with 24 completions per game he has had a pretty easy set of games um so far but he has more easy games coming up they play philly uh new york and atlanta as i had mentioned earlier uh, on the show so if you're streaming quarterbacks i think that darnold is a great um you know streaming guy and if you're in the super flex then he should be starting every week um so i think that as long as they can keep their rushing attack going with the uh, hubbard and with freeman then it's going to keep the pressure off of Darnold, and he'll keep playing well. His advanced passing stats are even better than they've been at any time in his career. So um, I like Sam Darnold right now. Uh, it looks like he's not seeing ghosts anymore. We discussed him uh, during the preseason and, and last year, and a lot of the reason why he wasn't doing well is because he was on the Jets, 
and because he had Adam <laughs> Gase, and because the operation was not as good as it could have been. Yeah. Um, I something I did for the players that I'm going to talk about later is just a, a quick long term outlook. Um, so so where do you see him? We're talking in redraft leagues. Um, do you, you don't see him being on the wire, but owned and rostered and startable depending on the matchup. Correct. Um, he is currently the QB 12. Uh, let me look at his ownership statistics. I bet you that it's not as high as it should be. So from a long-term outlook uh, standpoint, is this a, a QB 2 with QB 1 upside? Is that what you would, you would consider him? Yeah, he's owned in only 51% of leagues. He has a very high floor, which is amazing for streaming. You know, I think that he is going to be, right now, he's one of the best streaming quarterback options. And if that's what you do at the quarterback position, then he's probably going to wind up being owned in a league and just kind of held on to. Well, this is the analysis that's important. You you can't stream a guy that's going to be taken. So you have to so own right him. Now, yeah, right now, I think he's a streaming guy. He's only owned in half of Flea Flicker leagues. For instance, he's not owned in the Drink 5 league yet. But... If he keeps playing this way in three weeks, he's not going to be available anywhere, and so, he's going to be a backup slash conditional starter on. So your team. suggestion is to roster him. Yeah, if you need, if you don't have one of the top quarterbacks, then yes, Sam Darnold is a great uh, addition to your roster right now. Okay, I'm just trying to get you to a conclusion. So Jason says, own Darnold. That's a good idea. Yeah, and in two quarterback leagues, obviously he needs to be an every week starter. Yeah, I think there are those people that practice a a streaming uh, offense with quarterbacks in which they're not owning a top-five guy, uh, and they dump a quarterback every week to get a new one. But most people in uh, redraft leagues that are 10 or 12 or 14 are going to roster two quarterbacks. And if that's the case, then Darnold uh, should be your uh, number two and could even serve, according to Jason, as uh, a low-end number one in most cases. Yeah, I mean, if you have a really – like, we haven't seen any teams yet this year that have really tough pass defenses. But if we come upon that, you know, he could be a guy you could put in uh, for one of those top guys that you just want to sit down for a, a game. Okay. So Justin Herbert – in week one, 14 points. Week two, 16.7. Week three, 30.8. So he skipped the 20s altogether. He had a very slow start uh, after finishing his rookie of the year last year. The Chargers offense weren't able to get really going for the first couple weeks. They only scored 37 points in two uh, in two games. But last week, Herbert threw four touchdowns. Uh, one of them was a game-winning fourth-quarter drive. He, in fact, has two game-winning drives already this season in three games, so pretty good for Herbert. He's still playing well, even if he wasn't putting up big fantasy stats. Um, So he's not on the streaming radar. He obviously was drafted as an every-week starter. I think that people who wanted to push the panic button on him are breathing a sigh of relief that he put up such big points against the Chiefs. So he's currently the QB 13 through three games, but I will go ahead and uh, long-term prognosticate on him for you, Dave, and say that he is definitely going to finish well inside the top 10 this season. Well, he was drafted as the number eight quarterback in some leagues, even higher based on his finish towards the end of last year. Gotcha. And so what you're saying is that he is playing to the level that we expect him to. He is now. He was not the first two weeks. And maybe someone dropped him in the first week or two. And if you scooped him up, that's great, but he's probably not available any longer. Yeah, he's owned in 90% of Flea Flicker leagues right now. But so. he, he should be owned in probably 100% of leagues. Yeah, I don't know what leagues that he's not owned in, but, you know, it'd be nice to be in that league. Yeah. I'll take a Justin Herbert on my team. <laughs> I'd take him over Sam Darnold, even though he's a little behind him, just because the ceiling on uh, Justin Herbert is so much higher. 
Jared Goff. The the difference is that Sam Darnold is the uh, number thirty two ADP quarterback. Yes, so you got great value. It's a return on your investment. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. He was a penny stock that hit big. That's right. Rather than uh, you know a stock that's you know netting you ten percent. Anyways, uh, Jared Goff is trending down. Week one, he had a huge game. Uh, just barely missed, scoring thirty points. Week two, nineteen point four, and in week three, only nine point oh eight points. So classic downward trend. He started off very hot st- statistically in his first game, but that was because of a lot of garbage points against the 49ers who were beating them pretty handily. He was the QB three that week. So there was some hope for Lions fans, but as all good Lions fans know, their hopes will be dashed as soon as they can be. Yeah. I mean, they've only won one playoff game in 28 years and they've never been to the Super Bowl. So yeah, go and Lions. They're like an, an OG team. Too. <laughs> Sorry to all you Lions fans to the Lions. Mm. So um, he wasn't even able to really put up a lot of uh, garbage time points in week two. They didn't score any points in the second half against the Packers. So he hasn't been playing like really badly as far as turning the ball over and stuff goes, but there just isn't any talent around him that's going to support the big games outside of fluky garbage time stuff. Uh, and I would argue that the garbage time stuff is not enough to count on week to week. It's not like the old Jaguars that were always down and then could put up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. There are a couple talented people on that squad, but, uh, but not, not, not wide receivers. He's got TJ Hawkinson and he's got DeAndre Swift, and th- it kind of ends there. Jamal Williams is playing well right now, but I think it's because there's no one else around him to sort of take the load. And I'll talk a little bit about Hawkinson later. The third game where they scored so few points, they turned the offense over to the rushing attack only. Yeah. Uh, which is part of the reason why there's not a whole lot of points there by Goff. But I agree with most of your analysis here. So uh, he can be on the streaming radar, but his floor is so low that I don't think that you want to rely on him uh, in most situations. So we'll move on to running backs. We've got your guy, Najee Harris, who week one, five and a half points. Week two, 16 and a half points. Week three, 21.2. Um, so I know that you like it when we talk about Steelers players. So here we go, Dave. Uh, Harris is a rookie, and his slow start is was expected. Um, I did not expect to see a stat line like he had last week where he had 14 um, carries, 19 targets. 14 of those were catches. So, you know, 28 touches in the game uh, was, was pretty spectacular for him. He is lined up as a PPR monster. He's gone from 1 to 5 to 14 receptions already. Um, I don't expect, obviously, 14 catches a week, but I think five catches a week is pretty reasonable. And because of that, he's going to have a very high floor. He hasn't even scored a touchdown yet this year, and I believe he's a top 10 running back still in, like, half PPR leagues. So Najee Harris looking pretty good so far. He's going to be used every down. Uh, That's just the way the Steelers do it. And with lots of injuries to the receiving core, the offense will probably go through him as well. So not just a featured back, but the featured player on the offense. And there aren't very many guys like this. And just like we were saying about Justin Herbert, this is what you drafted him for, and he is performing up to his expectations. He's number nine. He's number nine in half PPR leagues right now, 43.2, with an average of 14.4 points per game. Uh, I think you're right about him being what the offense is is based around, especially right now. Uh, And most of that has to go towards the offensive line being really poor in Pittsburgh. 
uh, and the uh, and the play calling by Matt Canada being just as bad um, as Randy Fickner from last year. Yeah. And so what you were really seeing are uh, efforts to get the ball to Najee Harris in space uh, around uh, uh, failed um, uh, passing and rushing plays. Yeah, lots of screen plays to him. It, when your offensive line doesn't work very well and they can't block for long, screen plays are the way around it. So not ideal for the Steelers offense, but definitely ideal for Najee Harris PPR owners. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, D- David Montgomery trending down in week one. He had 18. Week two, nine and a half. Week three, six and a half only. So he started out the season very strong, 108 yards on 16 carries against the Rams defense. The Rams and some power rankings are the best team in the league right now. So he played well against the best team in the league, but he's really fallen off a cliff along with the rest of the Bears offense. So on the season, he's averaging just two catches per game, down from three and a half last year. His rushing attempts and yards per game are also down from last year. So it worries me that the Bears have an anemic offense and they don't know what they want to do yet. They, they, they insist that Andy Dalton is the starter when Justin, you know, when he's healthy. So are they trying to have a ball control offense and play good defense? Are they trying to develop a quarterback? Are they trying to get the downfield plays going? I don't know what the Bears are trying to do. I feel like the Bears don't know what they're trying to do. Um, the Bears here in Chicago are the subject on sports radio of just like everyone completely crapping on them. Took a break for a day because it sounds like the Bears might actually go through with uh, moving to the suburbs in the next few years. But that's, you know, fantasy irrelevant. So um, the thing about Montgomery is that he's touchdown dependent. He's an RB2 slash 3 at best. But he has a very low floor for a guy who's going to be seeing a high percentage of snaps. Here's a guy that I was going to draft in a lot of leagues in the second round. And I didn't because he's on the Chicago Bears. That's a good decision by you. Just, you know, just the facts. You read the situation well. <laughs> I, I knew there was going to be uh, some strange uh, chaos going on between Dalton Fields, Nagy, offensive play calling, and uh, the uh, understanding of who they are as a team, like yeah. you, uh, like you brought up. And, and I think you said it well. I, he's he's just going to be a, a boomer bust guy, depending on those matchups in which they can actually score points. Yeah. So the Bears still have a respectable defense so they're gonna stay close in some games but the problem is that they're not gonna be able to run the ball very well and what's gonna happen is that they are going to uh have game script that doesn't benefit david montgomery so unless they are able to figure out a way to develop a a short passing game with him which it seems like they're going in the opposite direction with him so far by having almost cut his pass uh, receptions per game in half so far this year. I don't like David Montgomery's outlook at the moment. So do not go hunting for him on the trading. And and if you have him, you're not going to get a lot of value for him right now. So, so if somebody makes you an offer for him, you know, it, you should look at it seriously. So based on his numbers then, would you would you sit him in, in favor of someone that you have on your squad that has higher upside until he can prove himself? Uh, when you put yourself in those hard situations, uh, you think the trend continues, that means that you are not starting him uh, in a running back slot. Correct? Oh man, at, at running back, that's tough. So against the Lions this week, i probably keep him in. Um, and you'll be disappointed. And maybe. then reevaluate after that. And, and it sucks because if he has like a 15-point game against the Lions, that doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> and that's probably what's going to happen. 
You know, he'll have 60 yards and a touchdown and three catches. Um, so, I, I, you know, you're just running in mud with David Montgomery. You're not going to get anywhere. You know, it's just going to all move very slowly and, you know, you're going to be bogged down. Okay. You got Ezekiel Elliott, who is sort of the opposite at the moment. Week one, five points. Week two, 16.7. Week three, 25 points. Uh, he's trending up in all the stat categories as well, which makes him the great example. You know, his carries are going up. His yardage is going up. His touchdowns are going up. So he was a first-round pick regardless of what kind of league you play in for the most part. Um, it's nice to see that he's sort of ramping up his production, even though Tony Pollard is getting his own share of the touches. So Zeke is still the primary back. He's going to be in line for, I would say, 15 to 20 touches a game. I think gone are the days where Zeke saw 30 uh, carries, where Zeke led the league in uh, touches like he did in 2018. Um, the, the thing that I don't like so much is that he's down to 2.3 receptions per game. Last year, he was at 3.5. Uh, in 2018, he was at 5.1 when he led the league in touches. Um, 51 touches through three games is not what you hope for from Zeke. That's only 17 touches per game. But I think that's what you're going to get from him for the rest of the year. And you're going to have to hope that he plays um, against defenses that are concerned about the pass, so don't stack the box, and that he can efficiently use his you know, 15 to 20 touches per game. Because Tony Pollard is going to be getting 10 per game now, I, I think, throughout the rest of the season, as long as both of them are healthy. Um, so we've got another uh, question from the chat room. We want to know Chris Carson or James Robinson in PPR leagues. And again, I always recommend that people go and check out Dave's rankings. That's where I always start when people have questions about lineups. I, I love Chris Carson. He's been he's been so good lately. James Robinson just recently showed, uh, based on Urban Meyer's usage of him, that perhaps he he can return to a little bit of his greatness, but he's on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Exactly. And you actually like both of these guys just a little bit more than the expert consensus rankings, uh, which are on fantasypros.com. Dave is one of the experts uh, listed under Dave Biggs, drink5.com. But the only place where you can go and look at just Dave's rankings is on our site. So we have Chris Carson ranked number 12 in PPR, and we have James Robinson ranked 15 in PPR. And by virtue of matchup alone, um, not matchup, but, you know, the team that they're on, I mean, I would go with Chris Carson. You know, Seattle's going to move the ball. They're going to be uh, efficient with it. They're going to run the ball a lot. Plus, uh, uh, according to Jason, uh, you know he doesn't he doesn't like uh, playing anyone on a Thursday night, which James Robinson is. Oh. It's, it's the Bengals versus the Jaguars. Uh, that said, Carson is playing the 49ers, who definitely have a stalwart defense. But it doesn't matter because Seattle is going to uh, is going to run all the rushing plays that they normally do with Carson, uh, and he's in no danger of, of finishing with anything less than uh, seven or eight fantasy points. Yeah, uh, so looking at fantasy points against, the 49ers are actually giving up the eighth most points to opposing running backs. Meanwhile, Cincinnati is way down there at the 20, 21st most. So uh, definitely all signs point to Chris Carson for this matchup here. There you go. Uh, you want to move us on to wide receivers there? Yeah, let's talk about wide receivers. Uh, in the meantime, maybe we can get a uh, another mu- another drink break. A little shot going here. Okay. This particular one goes out to Glenn. We say, 
thank you, Glenn, for, for being a friend, being in our fantasy league, and also for being part of the Glenn Cullen 10 years gone. Yes, thank you. is one track off of an album that probably won't ever come out but uh we'll, we'll but see but if it does it'll be called outhouse nightlife we'll see what happens <laughs> uh wide receivers uh four player trends from weeks one to three uh i'm starting with mike williams his week one was 18.2 followed by 18.6 in week two and 29.7 in week three and Mike Williams has been around for a few years now, uh, all of that time been with the Bolts in Los Angeles, and I think this might be the... He was with him in San Diego for a minute, too. Well, we, we have to move forward, always <laughs> forward, never backwards, uh, but he was in San Diego, you're right, so just California, he's been in California for a while. The California now. Chargers. This is uh, um, his last year with the team as his, uh, as his contract was not renewed. Uh, and he will be a free agent next year unless uh, there is a, a new deal that is made for Mike Williams by the Chargers. I think it's well-timed for him uh, to do so well. It's a, basically a public tryout for either that huge extension with the Chargers or uh, a, a big payday and long-term role with another squad. Yeah, He's not an, an old player. I believe he's only 26. He still has a... I would assume this is his rookie contract expiring. Yeah. yeah. So he has a contract ahead of himself as a WR1 or 2 on another team with a big payday for like three or four years. He probably has two contracts ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, he has played his way into an every week starting role on any fantasy roster uh, based on how he's done over the first three weeks of the season, regardless of scoring format, regardless of depth of uh, of uh, player count and, and bench slots that are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, over three weeks, he is the WR2 in fantasy and an average points per game of 22.2. Do you know Ooh. who WR1 is? Um, Amari Cooper? It's Cooper Cup. Amari Cooper. Oh. Cooper has been shitting the bed. No, Amari Cooper had two touchdowns in week one. And that's it. That's it? Yep. He had two horrible games after that. Oh. You're just, uh, you know. Look, I had the Cooper part right. Give me some credit here. You're right. (laughs) I was like, Cooper, right? That's too true. (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, that's a whole other person. I could have probably used Amari Cooper as a trending down because he's really been playing poorly, uh, either how he's been utilized or. You're right. He has 40 points on the season. 32 of them came in week one. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, but we have seen uh, Williams up and down in previous seasons. Um, I've had him on a dynasty squad for his entire contract. And because of both injury and volume concerns over the past couple years, um, he's been a boomer bust, up and down kind of player. There's no sign of that now. With Justin Herbert, who used him well down the stretch last year, uh, who continues to use him in an every game basis, what I'm seeing, which is important analysis from my eyes, 
to to your uh, ears, to your ears, to your mouth, to their ears. No, you, you're leading me down a, the wrong path here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm saying from what I'm seeing in in the game script for Mike Williams, Herbert is using him, and the offensive play calling is obviously leading us that way. Uh, to a, a usage map that is all over the field, as opposed to before where he was primarily used for just downfield uh, passes where where he could have contested catches. And and now it's more like in the slot, you know, uh, uh, midfield running slants, like all over play, the place. Play him to get open instead of just fighting for it, yeah. Yeah, so Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have been... I drafted him in our Drink 5 League and... He, you know, he's the reason why I finally won last week. Yeah, well, that's great. You should continue to play him onward and upward. Uh, I don't suggest trying to trade him except in redraft leagues. I, I'll get to that in a second. No, no, I was just going to say I have a great stat to back up what you were saying. Oh, go ahead. Um, you're saying he's no longer just playing, just doing the contested catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout most of his career, in fact, his career catch rate is 58%, but it's being bolstered by this year he's at 71%. So yeah, that's great. Instead of catching half of the passes, he's catching seven out of ten. And because most of them are huge boost, they're more catchable, and he has more chemistry with uh, Herbert than he ever did with Philip Rivers. Yeah. Uh, so it's good news. It's it's great news, in fact, for all Williams owners because you probably drafted him towards the bottom uh, uh, bottom half of the draft, and he is the WR two. Uh, what I was going to say earlier... I drafted him in the 11th round. There you go. But yeah. He clearly is uh, is better than everyone, including Tyreek Hill. So, <laughs> for these three weeks. Cooper Cup was drafted in the 6th round. Uh, we have a question again from the chat room. It says, who should I sit out of these four? Uh, Amari, Chuba, Lockett, and J.J. Taylor. Who is Shuba? <laughs> it's Ch- Chuba. 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 Chuba Hubbard. So Amari Cooper, yeah. Chuba Hubbard, J.J. Taylor, and T.J. Lockett. Yep. So, um, hmm. What do you think, Jason? I, I, I have to plead ignorance. I, I must be getting this wrong. Who is J.J. Taylor? Um, I assume he is a um an IDP player. No, he's a he's a running back for the Patriots. So so maybe he is one of those guys. Oh yeah, you know what I just saw him on the depth chart. James White. I, I I'm not starting JJ Taylor. Well, I try not to start any New England Patriots running backs. I think yeah. as a as a rule. Look, even though Amari Cooper has not played particularly well the last two weeks, um, I think that he's still going to be featured just fine in the long run on that offense. Well, if you're only sitting one of those players, then you're sitting JJ Taylor, right? I agree. Yes. Okay. Because you're starting Lockett. He's like the third wide receiver of the he's WR three on the year. And um I don't see why you would sit Amari Cooper or Chuba, who's gonna be taking over like in one of the prime running back roles in the league. So yeah, JJ Taylor is is our answer here. Thank you, Aiden. Okay. Um, well, I agree. I think in general that playing a New England running back, especially in, in this kind of a precarious situation, is not the right thing to do. Let's talk about a, a guy who's trending down, Debo Samuel. We've been over this with Debo. Okay, week one, 27.4 points. Great performance. Week two, 13.1. Week three, 7.7. Uh, refer back to our conversation in, in week one, uh, well, going into week two, about Fantasy Fool's Gold with Debo Samuel. 
I suggested that week one's outing might be the best game that he has all season. I think that's uh, pretty accurate, even though we have quite a few left to go. So far, that's true. <laughs> and other options would develop to lower his fantasy production through the season. So we have Brandon Ayuk, which is obviously being worked more into the game script. Uh, there were a lot of passes to Ayuk. There was a touchdown that he dropped, um, but there there were tons of other uh, opportunities in which he's finally being involved in that offense. The running game, whatever happens there, uh, is gaining a little bit more stable footing. Uh, now you might actually have Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell uh, uh, there and healthy and doing the things that, uh, that Shanahan wants to happen. They really need a running back. They had This is a really weird thing that I noticed with the 49ers this year. This last week, they had seven different players rush the ball and only had six different players catch the ball. And I can't think of a time when I've seen more players run the ball than receive the ball in a game. Well, you, you've seen uh, what happened earlier in the year. He he preferred Mitchell. Mitchell couldn't play. Right. So what he was left with, wasn't happy with. Right. He had only 10 carries to Trey Sermon. They ran the ball 21 times. So they, they don't have a featured back. They have a guy who gets the, you know, the plurality of the carries. I still think it's Mitchell. and Not with, even a majority. With Mitchell coming back this week, most likely, I think we'll see him as the feature back. Yeah. But that is still so up in the air. All I can do is speculate there. Uh, in addition to, to those things happening, Kittle is now being more involved in the in the game script. Uh, the first couple of games, we uh, heard a lot of people saying, so where is Kittle? What's going on with that? Well, uh, they, they tend to decide when to, to use him based on uh, situations when they when they need those uh, those hard-fought yards. And there were definitely a lot of those situations in in the the game this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, I know I feel like they need to get him the ball a little bit more. Maybe I don't know. Well, sure, but you know he's one of those characters that uh, could knock himself out on a on a game by game basis. He doesn't. Uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't. You know, consider his own health when it comes to running down the field. Yeah, so I think Samuel's fantasy output goes back to being boomer bust. Uh, I think one more game below eight points and half PPR might even land him on some cut list for leagues without much depth. Uh, long-term outlook for him, for me, is a flex play for deep leagues uh, and a lot of remember when in week one. <laughs> so uh, I- I'm not trying to... Is it to... Sammy Watkins syndrome? Yep, and, and uh, you know maybe we'll talk about him later. He does appear in the cut list. Uh, it's one of those. Spoilers. It's one of those guys that uh, everyone gets so super hyped about, but always tends to fall off based on uh, what's going on with the team. Yeah. So yeah, Debo, I I am not a huge fan of. I already said that in week two. Still not now. Uh, numbers seem to prove that they're not going to go back to him all the time. They're going to use other things on their team. Uh, Robert Woods uh, is another guy who is trending down week one, 10.9, week two, 9.5, week three, 5.3. Woods is a great football player. He's good at football. But when quarterback changes occur, there's a lot of fantasy casualties along the way. Uh, is it possible that Woods is one of those casualties this year? It certainly looks like it. It really does. It's a shame. Long-term outlook here, uh, Cooper Cup, we talked about it, WR1 in all of fantasy, uh, clearly the number one target on that offense. It was assumed that uh, Bobby Trees would be right there with him, uh, 1A, 1B, but it looks like Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, Tyler Higby, all weighing in his options that Matt Stafford simply values higher than Robert Woods for whatever reason. So I think that uh, in speculation, we could see Woods dropped from fantasy team rosters over the next week. Um, again, when, when people are performing at a level that is 
uh, under, let's say, seven or eight fantasy points per week every week on a consistent basis. If we see this happen again and again, in two weeks, Woods will be on the cut list. Yeah, I mean, he is on the field a lot. 77%, 98%, and 88% of snaps in the first three games. But But he's like the fourth option. He's not, yeah, he only has uh, 11 receptions through three games. Not enough. And he was getting, you know, he, he would get that in a game last year. You know, I think the big difference is that Stafford is looking to throw it downfield, and Woods was not a downfield guy. He was an intermediate guy. That's what Goff would really throw to. And now he's utilizing Tyler Higby a lot more than was before. His, and... his intermediate guy is going to be Higby and not Woods. Yep. So it's a different quarterback thing. Uh, hopefully they utilize him at some point during the season. But here's a guy that many people drafted in the, the upper half of the draft in, like the let's say, the uh, fourth or fifth round maybe. Something like that. Uh, somewhere around where Cooper Cup was being drafted. Uh, he was drafted 4-8 in our Drink 5 yeah, draft. So that's accurate. Uh, but but really, in all actuality, he's performing at the same level as some guys that are not rostered. He has only 25 points on the year. Tight ends. I have Dawson Knox, uh, who is trending up. Week 1, 6.1. Week 2, 8.7. Week 3, 12.9. Uh, there were a lot of whispers in the offseason about how the Bills were making some kind of decision internally. Were they going to continue to develop Dawson Knox as their tight end going forward or try to bring on some new talent, whether uh, through the draft or acquisition from another team or signing free agents? Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't draft or acquire anyone, and they kept working with Knox as their number one to develop his talents further. So good news for Knox. Uh, one of the knocks on Knox was that he was not uh, a, a very good ball catcher in in important circumstances, kind of like Eric Ebron, where like you're a big guy, you can mm. get into good situations, but you're not catching that ball. Yeah. This year, he's been catching almost everything thrown at him, uh, and it's really good news. He has an average of four targets per game, and he scored a touchdown in the last two games. Currently tied with Logan Thomas as the tight end six overall in fantasy this season. Well, that's not bad. We always talk about how after uh, you know the first several options at tight end, there's hardly anything. This year, it seems like there's sort of a top eight kind of a situation. It is. The, the, the top two guys are still the top two. You got Waller and Kelsey dominating the top there. But after that, it's there's a larger group uh, that, than we've seen in mo- recent years. So, um, you know, Dawson Knox's stats really back up what you were saying. 83.3% catch rate this year. Mm-hmm. Well done, young man. <laughs> that is that is spectacular. Not a huge sample size, but then again, he is seeing um, more receptions per game than at any point in his career. Yeah. So this sounds like it's going to keep up. It sounds like he's a low-end uh, tight end one now. Yeah, you want consistency in targets. Uh, I consider him to be a high-end tight end two with tight end one upside. Right now he is tied for TE6 throughout the year. He's a part of the Bills' uh, really high-end passing attack, and that's something you want to be a part of. Josh Allen is going to do the same kind of things he did last year, and he proved it this past weekend. There's no reason to think that uh, Dawson Knox's uh, um, contribution to the offense is going to drop anytime soon. Um, let's talk about Darren Waller. So this is a guy who's gone from week one, 21.5 points, week two, nine, uh, and week three, 7.9. And Waller is currently the tight end four overall. That's averaging 12.8 points a game. Huh. When, I, I thought he was on the top. Um, that's no. interesting. When we look at week two and week three at nine and seven point nine, obviously. Oh, how can I forget who was really on top? Obviously, this is a, a lopsided uh, equation for Waller, right? 
Uh, 19 targets and 16.5 points in week one. Yeah. So he comes out of the box strong. He's obviously heavily targeted by Derek Carr and the Raiders offense because he's arguably uh, the only uh, the only superstar, the only really high-quality target on that team. Uh, you can count, of course, Hunter Renfro. You could count Henry Ruggs. But none of those guys are being played as a WR1 or 2. True. Uh, uh, and Darren Waller is easily you know, one of the top three at the position um, over the past two seasons. So... Uh, after the 19 target and 16.5 point in week one, he only saw 13 targets over the next two weeks and averaged six points in both of those matches. Yeah. I'm not saying to sit him necessarily, but understand that he's been double and triple teamed over the last two weeks. This is a copycat league. We always say that. Uh, everyone always says that who's a, a pundit. You know, As in, soon as yeah. they have success against them, everyone's going to do the same thing. That's the point. So John Gruden has to figure out ways to scheme him open. Um and stuff like that, and we'll, we'll see if that is successful. They play the Chargers this week. The Chargers have a great safety um, in, um, I can't remember his name, but uh, uh, James, no, what the hell is his name? I don't I don't know the yeah, answer. Let's not, let's not, this is bad radio. But the, the Chargers have allowed the seventh most fantasy points to the tight end position. So there's... There's a, a reason that's good and a reason that's bad, but but what I will say and, and what Jason was alluding to and what I mentioned uh, to lead this off was that other league other other teams in the league will do the same thing as the Ravens and the and the other team uh, that they went up against did. They will double and triple team Waller to take away the best possible offensive weapon that the Raiders have. Yep. And so you're going to see more games where Waller has less than 9 or 10 fantasy points. And that's going to be a problem for a lot of people who drafted him super high up in the draft. Um, you know, Long-term outlook is start as usual. But my personal uh, um, perspective on this is as follows. Um, wait until Waller has another big game. Sell Waller to someone else for uh, for players of uh, of requisite value. Even if you've got no like uh, backup at tight end, I think no other option at tight end. I think it's certainly um, it would certainly be advantageous of you to get another tight end back. <laughs> Naturally, okay. But I think that Waller is going to be overall disappointing based on the 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 blood the burgeoning trend. Uh, I was going to say the bludgeoning trend, uh, but the burgeoning trend. He would like to be bludgeoning people, but he's not. The burgeoning trend. He's going to get bludgeoned by Derwin James this week. Of of uh, Darren Waller being double and triple teamed. And I, I just think it's going to result in a lot of disappointed Waller uh, um, uh, rosterers. Yes. And so we'll see what happens there. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is the last guy on my list. Um a week one, 21.7, week two, 16.6, and week three, 2.0. Now, don't fret necessarily. We talked a little bit about this with Jared Goff and the woes that the Detroit Lions offense uh, uh, went through in week three. Yeah. Hawkinson is the TE3 so far this year, averaging 13.4 points per game. And week one and week two are very solid. A consistent number of targets, that's 11 targets in week one, nine targets in week two. That's eight receptions in both week one and week two. Speaks volumes about his usage going forward. Um, closer analysis against the Ravens reveals that Baltimore took Hawkinson out of the equation. And Makes so sense. if someone gets blanketed, it, it's okay uh, for them to have a bad fantasy performance and you don't have to overreact about it. We just talked about this and you agreed 
that Goff doesn't have a lot of uh, fantasy weapons on his team or just offensive weapons in general, talking about the game of football. Uh, but Hawkinson, <laughs> Hawkinson is one of them. Uh, and he's going to be playing up against the Bears this next week, who are far more vulnerable to a passing attack. And I imagine that Hawkinson will come back very strongly uh, against the Bears. Yeah, the Bears have given up the ninth fewest points to opposing tight ends, but really the tight end sample pool is very small. Um, it only consists of three players at the moment. I, I do expect TJ Hawkinson to play well this week, closer to his week one and two statistics. So my long-term outlook for Hawkinson is that he is uh, possibly the best player on a team that is putting up middle-of-the-road offensive numbers. They're in, in the middle with passing. They're in the middle with rushing. Uh, and they sh- should be looked at as a boomer bust tight end one. So similar to how you view a wide receiver uh, that does not have a high floor, then the same thing might be true with Hawkinson, that he could score you uh, 14, 15 points, and then he certainly might come back with a six-point game. Because he's on the Lions, yes, that's a very good point. You have to consider that. But that's better than most of them, and so uh, that's uh, the you know uh, a high point that we can end that conversation on. All right, shall we... Uh... Have one more toast before we dive into the J Cut list. Yeah, toast. question from the audience here literal question from the audience if you would so um alex wants to know should he trade chris carson and alan robinson for aj brown and saquon barkley so that's chris carson and alan robinson chris carson who both of us have professed a 2021 love for and alan robinson who i have no particular love for because he's on the bears offense for A.J. Brown and Saquon Barkley, um, A.J. Brown currently injured, right? We, we just talked about this. In fact, right. he wrote it up. Right. Hamstring injury, Hamstring. probably out a couple weeks. And Saquon Barkley, who's a beast, but not playing as well as Chris Carson this year. I got to say no uh, off the top of my head to this. I feel like that trade is basically uh, trading for the sake of trading and moving players around. That's exactly what it feels like. It feels like it's too... It, they're, they're, they're four of the same players. But but here's what you don't do is trade someone that's in your starting lineup to get someone who's not playing. <laughs> because all that matters when you start is that you win the correct amount of games to make it to the playoffs. And in trading Allen Robinson for, uh, for A.J. Brown is going to take out uh, the WR2 or 3 on your team for two weeks. Yeah. Now, and, and you have to hope that... Uh, something on the Bears clicks and uh, Allen Robinson is at least seeing more targets and being more productive by the time A.J. Brown returns to your lineup. So I, I definitely, uh, I, I I see that as, like you said, trading for the sake of trading, don't do that. We have another question. Uh, this one's from Fantasy Catchup. He says, uh, full PPR DraftKings tournament. Uh, and that is uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey stack together, uh, or start uh, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, or Sam Darnold, and have a solid lineup all around. 
I don't know. I don't play these tourneys. I, I'm not sure what the best advice to give is. Well, the, the, the best advice is if you think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have a ridiculous game, then you have to start that stack because it's going to get a ton of points. If you don't think that that's the case, then it would be better to have the well-rounded lineup. Frankly, I don't like that stack because I feel like it's generally Hill or Kelsey and not often both of them. There you go. Unless they're putting up like 45 points. Um, and I don't I, – they play the um, – I don't know who they play this week. Well, I'm looking that up right now. They're going to play the Eagles. They may not need to – play more than two quarters this is the, the edwards edwards hilaire game yeah. uh i i so agree. i would say don't don't go with the stack i agree with jason and i think i would i would start uh not not Tannehill, a guy who doesn't have aj brown or julio jones uh or a tight end that's that's doing well uh but kirk cousins or sam darnold uh, and use that extra money to to uh, to kind of be able to put some other superstars sam darnold's got to be cheap they're playing the cowboys Kirk Cousins is probably a little more expensive, and they are playing the Browns, who have a great run defense, give up a little bit in the passing game, but also can sack the quarterback like none other, uh, as we saw last week. That's a tough one. But yeah, I, I would go with either Cousins or Darnold. And um, then you've got a flex, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, or Sutton, uh, something that I was surprised to see uh, this evening during the show is that Brandon Cooks is like the WR6 on the year. Oh, well, yeah, he's he's the only receiver he's on the, the team. He's the only thing they have going for them. Uh, <laughs> that guy's been doing well for my fantasy team. Uh, they so. play the Bills. They're going to they play the Bills in Buffalo. There's going to be plenty of garbage time for Brandon Cooks. I, I would go with Cooks there. And now that I'm recommending a Houston player, he's going to do terrible. But that's... That's my analysis. So I can't, um, I can't, with good conscience, uh, recommend Allen Robinson until he shows out with Justin Fields, or they go back to Andy Dalton. Uh, Justin Fields is just not a good quarterback for any reason right now, and and so uh, I true. I have to go with Brandon Cooks. I currently actually have Robinson. Uh, above Cooks, but things will be adjusted throughout the week. We don't even know. There's a possibility that Andy Dalton could start this week. Yes. And and I would be more comfortable uh, with Allen Robinson if Andy Dalton was the starter and not Justin Fields. So I would say Robinson, low floor, low ceiling. Um, uh, Cooks, low floor, high ceiling. And uh, Sutton, high floor, medium ceiling. <laughs> well, he scored one and then 16 and then four. Uh, exactly. So he's boomer busts. So uh, he's got the low floor, I suppose. Still. Yeah, low floor, high ceiling. So I go with uh, Cooks is the most Cooks consistent. With the highest ceiling. He's the most consistent. And probably the highest floor at this point. Yeah, he's just the best option. So yeah, we both agree with Brandon Cooks. And uh, cheers to fantasy ketchup. Um, I wonder what that tastes like. I want some fantasy mustard on my hot dog. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with um, a little bit of cut list action and, and jason he, he wants to call this segment the j cut the list. j cut list that's uh, right i don't just because you're from chicago join me in a, a a shot of scotch to celebrate jay cutler well we'll we'll go near scotch near scotch okay cheers <laughs> <laughs> to near scotch 
So, uh, because uh, we don't have that much time left, I'd like to do sort of a lightning round here. I'm simply going to name all the players that I have on the cut list for a position. You tell me if any of those are surprising, and if they are surprising, if you disagree. And under the J cut list this week, for week four, uh, we have quarterbacks Trevor Lawrence, Matt Ryan, and Teddy Bridgewater. Those are all quarterbacks that were recommended by various people to draft and to start uh, in the preseason and then in the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah. They are now all drops for me. Um, I disagree with Bridgewater. I'm okay with the other two. Look at his stats and tell me why he should continue to start. What do we have from a fantasy perspective uh, for the first three weeks? Um, two touchdowns a game for the first two games. Uh, last week, they didn't have to do anything because they played the damn Jets. They're <laughs> going to have to put up points on the air, uh, through the air and on the ground. So he's going to continue to be um, good. He is throwing the ball downfield a lot more than he ever has. His quarterback rating is much higher than it's ever been Uh He's throwing more yards per game than he ever has in, in a season. So uh, he is not the same Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he is one of the more he, – he is a lot more dynamic. He's a lot more downfield. I don't recommend cutting Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. So uh, um, what, what would you like to set the over-under? The over-under of what? Teddy Bridgewater's fantasy points for this week. Just this week? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying – I'm not saying you cut him. You don't cut him because you want to start him this week. I'm saying you don't cut him because he's going to be good for the rest of the year. Well, we'll have to return to this then. I disagree with that, and I think that uh, we're just going to see him. Like they play the Ravens this week. I don't know that it's going to be like, you know, a spe- a stellar game. But they're the you know they they get to play the Chiefs twice. The Chiefs are giving up tons of points to opposing quarterbacks. I get it. You like Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. But I think I see him as a low end QB two for the remainder of the season. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay. Uh, for running backs, I have Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram, J.D. McKissick, A.J. AJ Dillon, and Ronald Jones. Oh, any of those surprising to you? No, I don't know why people still have half those players on their roster. Well, Dillon is mostly a handcuff, especially considering that he's not being used in a large uh, portion of the snaps with Aaron Jones monopolizing that. I, I could see Ronald Jones hanging around because you haven't gotten around to cutting him yet. Ronald Jones is the guy that I think people are going to cling to a little bit. Mark but Ingram was my cut this week. The whole point about this cut list is stop clinging. I understand. So, and Le'Veon should have been cut already. He, he never even has made the roster. Well, keep in mind that we're talking about not just redraft leagues, but all sorts of leagues. Yeah. Uh, and Le'Veon is a guy that I, in my opinion, think the Ravens should have given a shot on the active roster. Devontae Freeman has no juice left whatsoever. I agree. I, I would have liked to see Le'Veon Bell. But I there must be some reason why they didn't want to. Sure. And you can't continue. You can't continue when even an NFL team just lets him sit on the practice. Court. I, I got no problem with these. Um, you know, McKissick is. Firmly behind Gibson, who you know has had many good flashes this year. Uh, wide receiver Elijah Moore, we talked about earlier. Sammy Watkins, we talked about earlier as a sort of a flash that is uh, becoming slowly dimmer. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Ragor, Paris Campbell, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Are there any surprises there or anyone you have on rosters? Nope, fine. I'm fine with cutting all them. I see some people clinging to Sammy Watkins and Paris Campbell. Uh, MVS. I is, certainly have Campbell on like a dynasty team, but that's different. Well, he's not working out for that team, but that's something you don't have to decide right away. In exactly. Exactly. 
Uh, and for tight ends, I have Zach Ertz, Jonu Smith, and Pat Fryermuth. Um, I feel like Zach Ertz is starting to get more involved, and tight end is a tough position, but you shouldn't be rostering two bad tight ends. So <laughs> I'm fine with cutting Zach Ertz with the provision that like he may wind up like being a decent streamer at the position. I mean, he had 0.6 last week. It was it was only a, a 11. I'm sorry, two weeks ago. It, yeah, was, two it weeks was, ago. it was only the 11 last week when they were like passing for their life in a 41 uh, to 21. But I think that may happen a lot for them. Well, it could be. But I think Ertz is uh, it's a foregone conclusion that, uh, that that he's fading away from, from the team's best option. I, I think that he was already doing that. I'm surprised that he received seven targets last week. Yeah. You know, so okay. Like I said, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up a few more games like that. But I am perfectly okay with cutting him. Well, I like that. Uh, the only things we really disagreed with there are um, a little bit of Ertz, and then you showed your Teddy passion Bridgewater. for Teddy Bridgewater. I I'm a fan of two gloves. I mean, you've got a Teddy Bridgewater comforter at home on your bed, and you snuggle up with it every night. I get it. Right beneath the giant Teddy Bridgewater fat head <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> so. We'll we'll have to the Vikings version, of course. We'll have to just keep tabs on on little Teddy here and, and see how he does. Yeah, um, he is a good story, you know, uh, and and I hope he's uh, uh, he's successful as a person. Yeah. Um, it looks like we have one more uh, question too from uh, Fantasy Catchup, and uh, I don't know if that's the sugar free version or uh, you maybe know. it's low sodium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he says Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, running back one, and uh, Antonio Gibson, J.J. Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, Running back two. Yeah. So I'm assuming this is slotting into his DraftKings lineup. Again, we don't generally play the daily fantasy, so um, we're not as versed in lineup building as we may be, but evaluating the performance of the players, we got you. Derek Henry over Alvin Kamara for sure. This particular week, I think I would take Henry and uh, Hilaire. It, me too. I was going to say Hilaire in RB2. We had mentioned how it could be a Hilaire game because they're just going to blow out the Eagles. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, there you Henry go. Henry Hilaire. Good luck. Uh, come back next week and share the profits with us if you're if you're a big winner. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers to that. We only have uh, a minute left on the broadcast. We may have one more question to answer. Not sure. Uh, at least some feedback. But uh, we are going to start closing it out here. Let me just mention to everybody, uh, thank you for, for everything that you guys have shown us. I look at the, the stats on drink5.com at all the articles that people are reading, uh, interacting with, and engaging. And uh, I, I really uh, appreciate that. And uh, we want you guys to subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, to like this video so that it gets seen by more people on YouTube, uh, and follow us on the social media outlets that we're active on. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Jason, was there something else? Um, just some comments on uh, what we had to say about the earlier trade uh, between Chris Carson, Allen Robinson for AJ Brown and Saquon Barkley. Um, the gentleman says that he thinks he's going to accept it um, anyways because he feels that Saquon has more upside with pass catching. Um, but I, I think that our arguments, like I, I, I like the, the place that we arrived at in that it's just a trade for trade's sake and it's not beneficial to your team. And that's why you shouldn't make it. It's not because it, it, a one little piece of this trade is better than another little piece. This is an unnecessary conversation. 
because that's why I didn't bring it up when I got it. <laughs> be, because uh, because if if you feel defensive about a choice that you're making, then it's not the right choice. Well, that's great life advice, Dave. And on that note, I need to fire up a little bit of music. <laughs> I thought you were cheers in there. I was. I need to do this first. <laughs> so follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on YouTube, like Dave said. We'll be back next week. Go to the website, check out all the great stuff that we have uh, every week, and um, drink five, everybody. Six? You can't drink six. What are you doing here? Drink five. There we go. Dot com. Thanks very much.